Well, welcome to Community Christian Church. We are so glad you came to be with us. And as you just saw, we're starting a series today called Gym Class. It's a study in the book of James. And I just love that little intro that we just played because it makes clear to you this is a book written by the brother of Jesus. Now, all the things you think about when you hear that this is written by the brother of Jesus, for me, I think that might just be the most unique experience in the world, being the brother of Jesus. I know some of you didn't even know Jesus had a brother, but imagine what that would be like. I mean, I think there had to be sibling rivalry because, I mean, you've you got a sibling that literally does nothing wrong. He, he gets nothing wrong. It's not just your mom thinks he's perfect. He's perfect. Uh, how could that be? Now, for those of you here and you're not church people or you're not, you got invited and it's a, week, a holiday weekend and you wound up coming to church with somebody, here's why I think this ought to be of interest to you if you don't believe or you're not a church person because James is just like you. He didn't believe Jesus was a prophet. He didn't believe he was the son of God because, I mean, as I've always said to people, what would it take for you to have to believe your sibling was the son of God? I mean, what would they have to do to make you think they were the son of God? They might have to rise from the dead. Well, that's what Jesus did. And then James, who had mocked him, who thought he was crazy, who thought he ought to go away and let the family just be in peace, eventually James, Jesus comes and makes a personal appearance to, to James after his resurrection, and James goes from calling his brother to calling him the rest of his life as Lord, and he gives his life for following Jesus. The other reason I think you're just going to love this book is because uh, I don't know what you think about many other books of the Bible, but James, one thing for sure, James' book is not philosophical. James' book is just crystal clear practical. You know, we, those of you who know anything about the family of Jesus, we hear that Joseph was a carpenter, and carpenter's not really it because there wasn't a lot of wood in the desert in Israel. So it, it, the literal word that's used is tecton. It just means he worked with his hands. He was a construction worker, probably actually a stonemason of some kind. So here's this guy, James, who grew up in that kind of home, and he is just practical. He, all he wants to do in this book is he wants you to do what having faith in Jesus requires you to do. He don't want you to talk about it. He wants you to do it. The, James, the way James winds up talking about faith in Jesus is the way that I wind up thinking about people in medicine. You know, I know a lot of people that know a lot about medicine. They know a lot about herbs. and They know a lot about all the vitamins and all those kind of things. And the way I think about all of that is you can know a lot about medicine. You can know how it interacts with the chemicals of your body. You can know what the, the medicine does to make your health better. But knowing a lot about medicine... Understand a lot about medicine. It doesn't do you any good. When does medicine actually do your body good? It's when you take it. You have to take it for it to do you any good. Well, that's what James would say about your faith. Understanding things about your faith, knowing things about your faith, being able to talk about your faith, talking about the things you believe, doesn't do you any good at all. I don't want to hear you talk. I want to know what are you going to do with what you believe. That's exactly what this book is going to be about. And that's what James is saying about following Jesus. See, what he's confronting is something I think really needs to be confronted in almost always. See, all of us. See, there's, there's this thing in a lot of us who are followers of Jesus. It's, it's rampant in American Christianity. It's probably more true in many of you who are joining in with us today who say you're followers of Jesus and you'd want to admit. It's this idea that following Jesus is primarily about 
believing the right things, and that makes you follow Jesus. In fact, I see this a lot with a lot of parents. Parents go through this thing with their kids. They, they bring their kids to church when they're little, and they want their kids to believe the right things. They want to get them in a good Christian foundation. They, the parents themselves don't really actually plan on living much different than people around who don't do church. They, other than going to church, other than talking about Jesus, other than singing some songs and listening to Christian radio, they aren't going to live significantly different. Their lifestyle is not going to be different. But they want their kids to have a good moral foundation. What they really want is they want their kids to be good people. They want their life to be better. So they want to get them in a place where they believe the right things. They want to take them to church. They may even put them in Christian school. They may even homeschool them so they can make sure they believe the right thing. And then there comes a point where the kid finally gets it. The kid believes the right things. And so the parent helps them pray a prayer. They get baptized. And the parent thinks to themselves, they don't do this, but they think to themselves, hey, done deal. I've done my job. They've got a good Christian foundation under them. Now, sometimes when a kid gets to be a teenager, things get a little haywire, and the parent may think, ah, oh, the deal didn't get done. Oh, my goodness. They, I got them close enough that they got a little bit of the disease, but they didn't actually catch it. So they get a youth leader involved. They get somebody involved. Their small group tries to pray, and they get on trying to get the kid to believe the right stuff. And it's not believing the right stuff that really matters. Is that nobody's applying the right stuff in their life. See, I can take it out of parents and kids, and I can talk to you about wives I've watched do this with their husbands, or husbands I've watched do this with their wives, or parents I've watched do this with their adult kids that are off track. They, they want to get them to come to church so they can believe the right things, and if they can believe the right things and they can get the right Christian principles in their heads, that down the road somewhere, they believe that's going to make the difference. I mean, the assumption is that if they don't get it done, the problem isn't that they, it was that their belief was wrong. They didn't, they didn't do the deal by not believing the right thing. And when I was growing up, and this still gets said a lot, there was this goofy kind of thing that would get said among Christians of, oh, he just had head faith. He needed to have heart faith. And people say things like, oh, that's the longest distance between your head and your heart. you got to get it from your head down to your heart. To which James would say, that's hogwash. There's no, there's no head faith and heart faith. It's not that the things they were believing was wrong. It's that they were not applying what they knew they believed. It's not believing that makes the difference. That's not the idea at all. Christianity isn't just a set of beliefs. It's a decision you make to believe something. Certainly, believing's a part of it, but it's not the whole deal. James would say, just believing something is dead and worthless and useless. It's just a huge, huge waste of your time. So, for the next few weeks of this series, uh, we're going to go to class with, with James. We're going to go to gym class. We're we're going to allow him to talk to us about the practical details of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What, in fact, Christianity, how, in fact, Christianity does, in fact, have a life-changing impact on you, how it does change your relationships and does change your world, and how it can do immense benefit in your life if you will, in fact, do what Christianity requires you, that we do, and how it, in fact, can preserve your life here and now. In fact... I want to challenge all of you. This is such an important thing. See, James is only five short little chapters. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. And I did this on the notes section of ashleyparkchurch.com. 
If you go there, you'll see at the bottom of this, I've given you this challenge. The challenge is, I want you to get a Bible, and if you're not normally a Bible reader, I just want to ask you for this series, James is five short little chapters. I want to ask you to take the James challenge and read a chapter of James every day, Monday through Friday, for this whole series. And if you go on there, you'll see a link where you can download the Bible app on your phone or tablet. Uh, you can also, of course, get it on t a computer, or you can get a physical copy. And on the Bible app, you can read a different version. There are many versions. All of it's free. And you can download it, and on Monday you'll read chapter 1, Tuesday chapter 2, Wednesday chapter 3, and so on, through Friday. And then we'll start again on Monday and read this whole thing, and you're going to be amazed how incredibly practical James is, how much you're going to understand, and how much, if you will begin to do what James says faith requires that you do, how much it will change your life. So today, all I want to do is I want to introduce the big idea of uh, this gym class, the book of James, and then oh, starting next week, we're going to go back through the whole thing uh, chapter by chapter, phrase by phrase, the whole kind of thing to give us an idea of what James is getting at. So here's what James is saying and the overall view of this book. You may be going to church. You may be able to say the verses. You may be able to sing the songs. You may feel things when you say all those things. But if you're not applying and using your faith in the way that God asks you to use your faith, you are wasting your time. It does you no good at all. He'd say, hey, don't take any comfort in the fact that when you come together, you know the words and songs better than other people and it makes you feel things and you raise your hands or that you can quote Bible verses or you know where things are in the Bible or that you pray things and you believe the right things. Don't take any comfort in the fact that you prayed a prayer that you got baptized at a certain time. If you don't do what God calls you to do, then you're just doing some religious drill and it doesn't make any difference in your life at all. Believing the right stuff, stating the right stuff, thinking you have a firm foundation under your faith, hanging out in the right places and singing the right songs and wearing the right T-shirt does you no practical good. Well, let me just show you how James goes about saying this. This is right at the main point of, of his book, he says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? See, James is just setting up this whole deal that he's going to talk to us about in this whole series, and he's saying, he's asking a rhetorical question. What practical good does it do if you believe the right things, but you don't ever act on the things that you believe? He just says, is there any benefit? I mean, is there really any benefit to saying that you believe the right things that God says are right, but you don't ever do them? To which all of us would say, no, there's no practical benefit. I mean, I would say if, if I can get every 22-year-old to believe that if you just save $5 a day between now and the time you retire, just $5 a day, you put it in an account, it's $2,000 a year, so it's $5 a day. You take $5 a day, put it in an account, you never touch it, you just do that for the rest of your life, you'll have more than a million dollars. I can show you how that works out on paper. I can get you to believe it. You can teach other people about it, but it will only matter if you do it. It doesn't matter that you believe it. It has no practical good that you believe it. And that's the phrase that James would want you to get. Believing the right things without doing it doesn't do any good. But he has a phrase that has always made some Christians really uncomfortable. He says, can such a faith save them? Now, <coughs> if you grew up in church, when you hear the words, 
save them, you get an immediate kind of reaction. It just, you, that has a religious con, con, connotation to you. You hear things like, are you saved, brother? Have you been saved, brother? But when the first century, when James is writing this thing, if he had said to somebody, are you saved, they would have said, from what? I mean, it may have the same kind of connotation when the, you're at work and you've got to go and do a big deal and you say, oh, man, that guy saved our team. He, he put in extra work and he just saved us. That doctor saved my life. That thing that I did, it saved my marriage. That counselor, he saved us. What it means is that person did something and you applied it, and it actually changed your life. It preserved something that mattered to you. And that's all James is saying here. He's saying, does believing something actually preserve something, or is it doing something that preserves something? See, what James is getting at is, on a day-to-day -day basis, does just believing what God says, does it change anything in your life? Does it do anything to preserve anything that actually matters to you? Can Faith with no application change anything in your life? I mean, if a husband comes to church and sings the songs and he believes all the right things and he gets baptized and he prays every day, but he doesn't treat his wife the way God asked him to, will that preserve his marriage? No. Do you believe, if you believe the right things about being a parent and you know the right things about being a parent and you believe in God and you take your kids to church, but you don't parent in the way the Bible says, will that preserve your family? No. See, behind all of this, behind all of these things that's going on, it's not that we need to believe the right things. God's giving us the way to do the right things. And behind all of it is the love of a heavenly father that's saying to you, hey, I want to preserve your relationships. I want to make you have a great family. I want you to make you have a great marriage. I want to change your financial world. I want to make you happy at work. I want to help you in relationships. If you're a teenager and you're tempted by all these things and want to ruin your self-esteem, I want to preserve your self-esteem. But believing in me and trusting in me only works if you do what I ask you to do. Not just in things about God. It's worthless not just to God, it's worthless to us. It doesn't change anything. And yet I have to tell you, I have discussions with people all the time that take comfort in the fact that somehow they or somebody they know believes the right stuff even though they don't do anything about it. I mean, I have conversations with people and they have Bible verses about how God perseveres and how God protects and God has a future for them and God has a hope for them. They don't do any of the things that God wants them to do, but they have this idea that because I believe the right things and my faith is in the right place, that somehow because my thoughts are the right thing, even though I don't do it, that somehow I live in this protected spiritual bubble that God will just make everything magically work out in my life. It, and James would just say, what? How could that possibly be true? It's not just believing things. It's applying what our faith teaches that preserves your marriage, that builds your relationships with your kids, that preserves your work relationships, that protects your integrity and your self-esteem. It's applying what you believe in your finances that changes the way that you actually live. The, to think that because you believe something and you read something and you can quote something and you sing something and you got dunked in water or you got sprinkled when you are a kid or you believe some religious drill did something for you, he's saying it doesn't change anything in your life. 
And then to make sure that we get what he's getting at, he gives us an illustration of it. The illustration is not the point. It's just an illustration, he says. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? He's saying, look, if you're in your small group and somebody in a small group says, hey, guys, I, need to, I just need to let you know uh, I lost my job and I hadn't said anything and we're going to lose our house. And I, in fact, I don't even have money to feed my family the rest of this week. He says, you hear that and you say, oh, man, that's horrible. And you gather a whole small group around and you pray for them and you say, oh, Jesus, be with this family and give them strength and comfort. And God, provide some lunch money for this family so they, they can eat this week. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you walk away. He says, what good is that? He says, how are you any different because you gathered together and you felt something, you felt bad for them and you prayed for them and you asked God to do something? How are you any different than the people who heard them and didn't know them and didn't trust them and just said, oh, I'll be praying for you? How are you two any different? He said, you're not different. There's no difference. To hear that somebody has a need and not to do anything about it, even if you believe the need is real, it's of no practical good to anyone. He says, what good was your faith in that instance? His answer is no good. It doesn't do any good. It didn't matter at all what you believe in that situation. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. See, James says there are two kinds of faith. It's not head faith and heart faith. He says there are. There's living faith and there's dead faith. There's a faith about things you say you believe but you don't ever do. And then there's real faith. There's faith that's alive. You know it's alive. Not by whether people can sing the right songs or the way they dress or the, what they listen to or how they talk or where they go to school or what they do with their kids. It's about how they apply what they say they believe. The difference between a living faith and a dead faith is that one of them applies what they believe and the other one doesn't. Now, you know where this has gotten driven home to me in my life? See, this is one of those points where I think me doing what I have done with my life has been a huge benefit to me. Now, I know other people that do what I do. I mean you know, work in church, that they think that it's had a huge detriment on their faith. I don't, for me, it's been a huge benefit. You know why? I know a bunch of you think, hey, he just works one day a week. He doesn't know the real world. I think I know at least as much about the real world or more than you do because I see people from all walks of life and they come to us and eventually we only, we see them in real problems and real situations. But here's what I have learned over the last 30 some odd years of doing this. Everybody I've ever dealt with a problem, they believed almost, almost 100% of them believed exactly what I believed. It, they believed Jesus was the Son of God. They believed he raised from the dead. They believed the Bible was true. They believed all the things in it. They believed exactly what I believed. But when you get to talking to them and you begin to ask them, hey, do you, do you work with conflict resolution in your marriage? Do you, did you apply what God had to say? I mean, I know you're about to lose your home and you don't have any money, but did you have a budget? Did you do what the Bible said about that? Well, no, but... I know the verses. I believe that God is with me. I believe God has a future and hope for me. I believe those kind of things. But did you apply what God has to say? Well, no, I never, 
I never really did that, but I could, I could sing the songs. I serve. I understand it. What I remind myself all the time, and th this is where this is such a benefit to me, when it comes to the point in messages where I'm teaching, and this is just for me, and I'm going to push down and I'm going to talk about what we need to do with what we're talking about, I'm talking first of all to myself, and I say, Ed, and it does not matter how much you spit, how passionate you are, it doesn't matter how much you try to get other people to believe this, if you do not do what the Bible says for you to do, it will not matter that you taught it. It will not matter that you were passionate about it. If you do not apply in your marriage what it says about a marriage, you won't have a great marriage. If you don't apply what it says with your family, you won't have great relationship with your kids. If you don't apply what it says with your finances, you won't be financially sound. You have to do what it says. And I've learned that from watching other people who believe what I believed. They just, they just didn't do it. I have to actually apply what the Bible says about marriage. I have to apply what it says about confronting things. I have to apply about dealing with the things that are wrong in my life. I mean, if you're single, you're, I mean, everybody here knows that two Christians being married doesn't make a Christian marriage, right? I mean, you're married to a Christian, but you live like everybody who's not a Christian. Both of y'all are Christian, but you don't apply what the Bible says about a Christian marriage. It doesn't make a Christian marriage. I mean, if you're here and you're single and you, you think just because you're dating somebody who says they're a Christian that that's going to make you have a great Christian relationship, no, you need to be looking at do they apply do they practically put in application what their faith says they should be applying? Otherwise, their faith is dead and useless. It's coupling what I believe with what I actually do with my life that changes and preserves and saves my life. So here's where we're going, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do for the next few series. But first... Here's what we're doing, and it's really important, and you're going to hear this a lot over the next few weeks. It's not what you believe. It's not what you believe that preserves or saves your life. It's what you do. It's the application of what you believe that will actually change your life. Some of you are like, but, and I've heard all my life that I thought it was God that preserved me. I thought it was God that saved me. I thought it was his amazing grace. I mean, how great he is and the wonders of what he does. I thought it was him, and it is. And the tools that God uses, the way that he uses, the Holy Spirit that he puts inside of you, that's a gift of grace. The fact that he puts the body of Christ around you to help you. The fact that you could have a, a D group that would walk with you, that you would have people that would pray with you, that you would have people that would teach you, that you would have the Bible to guide you. All of those things are means of grace, but they in and of themselves will not preserve you. It's taking all those tools and applying to your life. It's doing what your faith demands, that will actually change your family. It's not some protective bubble of praying the right things. It's doing what your faith demands. It's not believing the right things. It's applying the right things of what you believe. Because of that, because it's applying it, it does matter that you come to church. It does matter that you put your kids in the right environment. It does matter that you know the right things. It does matter that we come together to encourage each other. It does matter that you get out of rows and you get into circles. It does matter that you study the scripture. But if you aren't going to apply it, it doesn't do you any good at all. 
You can pray and pray and pray and believe and believe and believe and believe, and it won't do you any good. In fact, some of you joining in, you, you're like me, and you've been Christian long enough, but not so long that you feel like you have to lie, like lots of Christians, like everything's perfect. You, you don't feel like you have to lie. And, and so you know this is true. There have been instances where you've tried to pray your way out of something you behaved yourself into. You know what I mean? Where you behaved yourself into a bad situation, and then you're like, oh, Jesus, oh, God, I'm, I'm wrong, I'm so wrong, oh, God. I, I'm so guilty, I'm so sorry. And God, if you just work with me this one time, don't let her find out. Don't let him find out, don't let them find out. Oh, God, don't let me get stopped. Oh, God, don't let her be pregnant. Oh, God, don't let anybody know. God, I need you to... Do something for me. All you're trying to do is you're trying to pray yourself out of something that you behaved yourself right in time, into. And sometimes God in his grace and mercy, he grants that request. But many, many, many times God says, faith without works is dead. And you thought just because you believed the right things that you were in some kind of protected bubble and you can just live without actually applying what you believe. Unfortunately, you're going to have to apply it before anything is going to be changed or preserved. Your faith without the application is useless. It doesn't help you at all. Now, you want to hear some good news? You want to hear some good part about what's coming in this series of James class? See, the flip side of what we just talked about is is a wonderful thing because that's what James is going to be all about. The flip side of this is that when you do apply it, if you do what James calls us to do, we take our faith, if you will go into gym class and you'll let him take you to school and it'll help you apply in practical areas of your life what you need to do, it will preserve your relationships. It will make your marriage better. It will change the way you relate. Over time, you will build relationships. Not, not overnight, not over nine weeks that you can just get into it and you've blown things up and you, know, you screwed up your marriage and you screwed up your kids and now you want everything to be better. Not overnight. But if you will apply things, you will do what God is asking you to do. God, in his grace and mercy, He'll rebuild your marriage. He'll rebuild your finances. God will help you get a strong foundation on your feet. The things that you believe, that you said you always believed, if you will begin to do them, when you come together with other people and you meet together and they help you begin to put them into place, you will be amazed over time how God will begin to change you. But right now, you're stuck in a mess and you are not just going to get out of it by just believing something. You're going to have to apply what you say you believe. Over time, I mean, when I talk to people and I ask them, hey, how did you wind up coming to faith? And sketch out, you know, a little bit for me about how God's really been at work in your life. And almost always I'll hear something from people like, like this. Well, you know, my life began to really change when I came. And it really was when the first time I came. And, and this is not about me or Jason or Nathan or anybody like that. They'll just say, hey, you know, I came, and it was the first time I'd really ever understood the Bible. I think that has as much to do with where they were in life than who was teaching. But it was the first time I understood, it and I could apply it. And when I began to apply, you know, I've had people say to me, I didn't even believe all the stuff. But when I heard what God said about money, I just tried to do what God said about money. And even though it didn't make sense to me, I did it. Bam, my life changed. And I began to believe. I could see 
there was a practical application to it. My life changed as I did what our faith said to do. Not long ago, I was with a young guy, and he started coming to our church through our junior-senior group. We have a group of, for juniors and seniors in high school that they begin to do faith as adults. They begin to meet together like adults meet in group, and they begin to, they, literally, they begin to serve. They begin to do all the things that, that adults do uh, in their faith. We're trying to prepare them for that, that world that's going to be the majority of their life. And this young guy, he had had some problems in life. He had anxiety issues and sort of dropped out of school and was doing some online stuff and trying to finish up. And he just couldn't be around people. But he knew one of the people in, in this junior and senior group, and they invited him to come. And he didn't think he came, but he started coming. And he sort of enjoyed it. And then they, like they always do, they said, hey, why don't you come to church with us on Sunday? And he thought, man, I can't do church. I have such anxiety issues and all that kind of stuff. But then he started coming. And when I was with him, he was actually with me and a group of other adults, and he was somewhere serving. And he was sitting, I got to know him, and he talked about it. He said, you know what I've learned? I, I used to think I couldn't come to church, and now I come almost every week. And I've been applying what I've been hearing, and I realized I'm way less, less anxious than I used to be. And now he's serving, he's supplying, he's in a discipleship group, and he's way less anxious. And when I heard that, I thought, well, of course. Faith without works is dead. But faith, when applied, it changes everything. So here's the challenge. I want to challenge you. Get a Bible in five days a week. I want you to read just the five chapters. Be amazed at what's taught in this book of James. Go to gym class with us. Secondly, next Sunday, small groups are starting. So if you're already in a small group, they're all starting back up for the summer. Get in a small group, and let's talk together about how we can apply what we believe. And if you're newer around here and you're not yet in a small group, then on the notes section at ashleyparkchurch.com, I put a link in my notes section to first steps. You click on that, fill that out, hit submit, and we'll get you in first steps, and we'll help you begin to figure this out, how to get in a place where you can begin to apply this. Even if you don't believe it yet, you'll be amazed if you begin to apply how much your life will change. Because faith without works... It's dead and useless. But you already knew that. For some of you, that's why you don't want to come to church. I mean, some of you have been around Christians that they have little posters on their walls and they got little things on their desks, but they're as mean as a snake and they treat everybody bad and they're underhanded, but they believe all the right things. And you're thinking, man, I can't buy that. What good is that? Why would anybody want that? James would say, right? Yeah, that's dead and useless. It's no value to anybody. So, for the next few weeks, we're going to go to gym class. And we hope you will join us as we learn how to live out what we actually believe. Next week, we're going to start right in chapter 1. You start reading this week. Now, why don't you stand, and I'll close in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for the chance to know you how good you are, all the gifts of grace you give us to preserve our life, to save our life, not just in the future with you, but here and now to make our life the way it ought to be. Help us not just to hear, but to do what you call us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all. See you next week.